0: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Day 385 of our three year journey through God's Word brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 14, where we get our first up close look at Jonathan, the son of Saul, best friend to the future King David, and this is our first glimpse of him in action. We heard reference to him having taken a Philistine garrison at the beginning of chapter 13, but here we're going to see the heart and the soul of Jonathan in action in battle against the enemies of God's people, the Philistines. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into this chapter together. Father in heaven, you are good, great, wonderful to us, You've given us this day. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You've given us an opportunity to spend this time together. We pray that you would take your word and write it on our hearts and be glorified in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 14 One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come. Let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah, in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes, by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozez, and the name of the other Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say, Wait until we come up to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about twenty men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchman of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there, Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now, while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath." But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath, so he put out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land see how my eyes have become bright because i tasted a little of this honey how much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found for now the defeat among the philistines has not been great <clears throat> they struck down the philistines that day from micmash to ajalon and the people were very faint the people pounced on the spoil "...and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night, and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down to the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son shall be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan my son, O Lord, God of Israel, give Urim. But if the guilt is in your people Israel, give Thummim. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan, and Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I have tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God do so to me, and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan, so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, And the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly, and struck the Amalekites, and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of his firstborn was Mira, and the name of his younger, Michael. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. That's First Samuel chapter 14 in the English Standard Version, as we're always using here on our Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. So here we see Jonathan. And it's quite a contrast between the courage... The wisdom, the perseverance of Jonathan, and the sort of rash, impulsive, unwise Saul, his father. So the first thing we see Jonathan doing, I love this story, it's got a a personal connection for me and my life, and that is on my first mission trip to Uganda, uh, Jonathan Copenhaver came with us, and at the church at the Aya baptist church up in the metu mountains jonathan taught on this passage about jonathan and his armor bearer going up against the philistines and he did a wonderful job it was so great to to see him uh, and hear him teaching god's word and uh, that was my first of uh, five trips i've made to uganda and it's uh, become uh, quite a love of mine the people of uganda and the people of the metu mountains they're in the north of uganda the far north of uganda Anyway, so Jonathan, we see here his determination to have courage and to fight against the enemies of the Lord. And we need to remember that in the Old Testament, of course, the people of God were a political nation state. They were a kingdom uh, of the earth. They had boundaries. They had battles. They had an army. They fought with weapons. Physical weapons against physical enemies. That is not the reality in the New Covenant age. And so when we learn lessons from stories like this, we need to apply them to the real conflict that we are engaged with. Ephesians 6 tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities. Uh, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't march off to war. You know, Christians did that during the Crusades, and that was a huge mistake. It was a confusing of the nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God is not a political entity. Uh, We are not seeking to expand earthly political boundaries and to fight earthly warfare. But at this time, that was what God's people were called to do in this Old Testament age, and Jonathan, a son of the king and a great warrior, trained, one of the few people in Israel who had armor and weapons of, of iron. and he, he went to war. and he wanted to go and clear out. There's this very narrow pass where you would go over and get to the Philistine garrison. So the Philistine garrison's on one side of this mountain range, and the Israelites are on the other side, and, and there's narrow pass where you can go through and it's being guarded. It's being guarded by a a group of men. We don't know exactly how many. We know that Jonathan ends up killing 20 of them. Jonathan and his armor bearer end up killing 20 of them. But you can't get over and, and take the battle to the Philistines without going through this narrow, hard place. So Jonathan is resolved in his heart that he's going to take this risk and go up for this hard battle. He does it with the help of a loyal uh, loyal partner in battle, his armor bearer who goes with him uh, to be faithful with him. So it's the two of them together. Just as Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to preach the gospel, there's wisdom to having a partnership and not going off by yourself. And the two of them go and they and they want a sign from the Lord because they want to be doing what God wants them to do. And so they have this agreement. Jonathan says... If they say, we'll come down to you, we'll just wait. And this may not be the time or place to do it. But if they say, come up to us, then we're going to go up to them. And we're going to take them on. We're going to take that as a sign from the Lord that the Lord is giving them into our hands. And that's exactly what happens. And we see in verse 14, at first strike, at that first strike, which Jonathan his armor bearer made, they killed about 20 men within half a furrow's length in an acre of land. So, you know, half the length of of a furrow, of a plowing length that you would make in an acre of land. In that space, they killed 20 men. And people were blown away. Here's two guys who come up and now they've killed 20 people and look at all the dead bodies and they go into a panic and there's an earthquake and people are fleeing as fast as they can. Meanwhile, back in the main camp, nobody even knows that Jonathan's missing. Saul looks around and says, who's missing? Count who's gone from us. And Jonathan is armor bearer. It's your son. He's not here. So Saul, again, he's hearing the tumult. He's, he's seeing something's going on among the Philistines. Looks like my son Jonathan and his armor bearer are behind it. Is this the opportunity for us to go? They bring the Ark of God, and <clears throat> they they go. They go after the people. And what they find is that every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there's very great confusion. And so they're, they're pursuing. Even uh, um, out among the Philistines, there have been some traitors, some Hebrews who had rejected Saul as king, some of these worthless fellows that we read about earlier, they had gone over <clears throat> to serve the Philistines, and now they're actually turning and they're fighting against the Philistines because the Philistines are turning against each other and they decide this is their opportunity to get back on the right side. Look, everybody likes to get in on a victory, right? If the Philistines are attacking, people go hiding for the hills and the and the and the crags and the caves, but if the Philistines are fleeing, everybody comes out. And wants to go after them. So verse 27 tells us all the people who had hidden themselves. These are the very people who went running and hiding. They come out and they follow hard after them in battle. And then Saul does something very foolish and very rash. He's so eager. He's, he was scared, remember? And he didn't wait for Samuel. Remember that from chapter 13? And he was told the kingdom wasn't going to last. But now it looks like the tide is turning. It looks like here's his opportunity to strike. And so in a very selfish way, in a very foolish way, he says, nobody can eat anything until, listen to how he says it in verse 24, until I am avenged on my enemies. Insecure people tend also to be very egocentric people. And this is Saul. No one eats any food until I am avenged on all of my enemies. Now, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they've already gone out after the Philistines. So he's not around to hear this. They get into the forest. There's some honey on the ground. Jonathan, who didn't hear his father, dips the tip of his staff uh, and then gets his hand and then eats the honey. And his eyes brighten and they tell him, your father said that anybody who ate the honey was going to be cursed. And he says, oh, my father has troubled the land. Look at how much I'm renewed. And it's true. If you're in the middle of a battle, if you're exerting yourself, an army marches on its stomach, it would have been so much better to allow the people to go ahead and eat. And in fact, the people get so hungry, striking down the Philistines, from micmash to Ijalon, all that day, they get so hungry that they're desperate to have something to eat. And so they're hurrying and they end up eating sheep and oxen and calves and just killing them right there and just taking their meat and eating it with the blood in it. They're not slaughtering them properly by slitting their throat, draining the blood the way that God commanded. They're breaking God's commandment by eating the meat with the blood in it. You weren't supposed to eat that. Life is in the blood. You weren't supposed to eat the blood. And so Saul has to rush to try to get a quick fix in. And so, you know, he sends out um, uh, the people to go out and and properly slaughter the animals um, dispersed among the people to to provide proper slaughter. And then he builds an altar to the Lord, which is another rash thing. He probably really shouldn't have done that. Um, And so all of this happens. Why does all this happen? Because he was rash and hasty. Sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up and carried away by emotion and do things that feel good in the heat of the moment, especially selfish things. Selfish things always feel good. They feel satisfying in the heat of the moment, but they lead to regret. They lead to Real remorse, because they have consequences. And that's what's happened. And And eventually, the consequences are such that God is refusing to answer. They have to seek out what the problem is. And the problem is that Jonathan has disobeyed an order of the king. So the king, foolish as he is, he's still the king. He's still the anointed king. Jonathan still spurned his word. Didn't do what was right. The people end up ransoming Jonathan because they see that he is the better man. All right, so what can we get from this story? It's a great story, for one thing, and it's real history, which we need to keep in mind. Well, we can learn a lot of practical lessons. This is a very practical passage about seeking the Lord before you take action, being courageous, having someone with you in the battle, not going it alone, right? Not making rash and selfish decisions in the heat of the moment, right? Pursuing things through to the end, but also being prepared to be able to properly pursue things through to the end. So if you're going to undertake something for the Lord, you need to make sure you have the resources to be able to see the job through to the end. And then we also see just the superior character of Jonathan to Saul. And really, when I think about a lot of this, I think about Jesus. Right? That's what we're doing in this three-year study. We're seeing how every story whispers his name to say what the Jesus Storybook Bible says. Every story whispers his name. It all echoes of Jesus. It all points forward to Jesus. Jesus is the better king because he makes a decision that he is going to do what it takes to rescue his people from our enemies. And it's not a rash and hasty vow, and it's certainly not a selfish one. He commits to coming into the battle. And he comes with the help of the Holy Spirit. He comes with the forerunner of John the Baptist, so he's not alone. He has the forerunner who goes before him, John the Baptist. He has the Holy Spirit who indwells him, so that Son and Spirit are together doing the will of the Father. And so he goes into the battle, and he fights the enemy for us and he's condemned by the rulers of the people at the time but it's clear that he's the better man i think of Saul and Jonathan here and i think even even greater contrast when you get to Pontius Pilate and Jesus and and the ruler of god's people is condemning the one who's far greater than he is but Jesus didn't just save us temporarily from a group of philistines for a little while Jesus' victory was decisive and final over the great enemies of sin and death. So we can thank him and praise him and then we can learn how to follow a good example as we go to battle with the remaining enemies uh, in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your faithfulness. You are the one who has saved us from sin and death. Lord Jesus, you are the champion of our salvation, the captain of our salvation, the victor of the battle. Holy Spirit, give us the courage, give us the determination, give us the wisdom and self-control to fight in the battle, standing together, not alone, standing together against the enemy, knowing the victory has already been won in Christ. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we'll be back in the Gospel of Mark, which means Mike will be back for that. I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.